in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? One of the teams, and they weren't interested at the very end. I was thinking, you're sticking with that mother. <laughs> well, that was Tom Brady talking about a team in free agency uh, before he signed with Tampa Bay that backed out at the end. He was on HBO's The Shop, or will be on HBO's The Shop. That's from the uh, preview for it. I love that this was one of the biggest stories in sports yesterday. And I love that everybody spent time trying to figure out who it was only to land on. It's got to be Jimmy Garoppolo, right? I think it's Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, the 49ers yes. were one of the teams that were yes. most into the Tom Brady potential signing. And Brady's weird enough to where even though he was the one suspended for Deflategate and Jimmy started those two games before he hurt himself. Like anyone who would even take that place, even though it's like, Tom, they need a quarterback when you're out. They can't play without one. <laughs> he's weird enough not to like a guy who took his spot. Also, he's from the Bay Area. His mom's been sick. My guess if he was going to go somewhere, like, oh, I'll go back to the Bay Area. She's been sick. His kid lives near there. His other kid. So I at no point did I think it was Carr. I, because I don't I, – I, would he have that personal vendetta against right. Derek Carr? There's too much about Jimmy Garoppolo and where and being in the Bay Area where he's from – that I can't believe it's anyone else. Why would he think that about Derek Carr? I don't. That makes no sense, really. Even just the idea that Belichick was ready to choose Garoppolo. Yes. Oh, over just Brady. in Brady's weird mind of right. like anyone's going to replace him. Absolutely. Right. The the only reason to think it could have been Derek Carr is simply because the Raiders were interested in Tom Brady and you know Mark Davis shook hands yeah. with him at whatever UFC yeah, event exactly. it was and like. They were a team that conceivably could have been in it and, and that, then decided. The local oh, paper did put them on the yeah. front wearing a, a Raiders, yeah. Raiders jersey. And then, and that then, only pissed off Carr. And then the Raiders may, may have said, oh, we'll hey, stick with Derek he Carr. Doesn't, but he doesn't read any of that. That's right. Outside That's right. noise. Outside, Outside noise. noise. He doesn't get to the locker room yeah. two hours early to read the review journal. I'm sorry. I wish Robin Leonard played in the NFL. <laughs> he, we'd know so much more about the Raiders if Robin Leonard was on the, uh, the Raiders, too. Robin Leonard would probably be behind... Richie Incognito as like the second best lineman on the Raiders. He'd definitely be the second best quote behind Richie Incognito. He might even be better. <laughs> no, I think this had to be Jimmy G. Carr, to me, like you said, other than the, the few things you just said, makes no sense of why he would be mad at Carr like that. But what would be the point? I'm sure they know each other, but it's like, it, there's no sense of like that bleep. It's like, what? It's Derek Carr. Why would you care about that? Do you think that Tom Brady keeps calling him David every time he meets Derek? Or Darren. Because he's confused and doesn't know the difference between them? I mean, why would he? Yeah, that's fair. Played against both of them, right? <laughs> yeah. the, he was in the league when Beat both of them were in the league. Yeah. Not in the playoffs, though. <laughs> no. Whoa. I don't care about him. Next question. You're right. David Carr played for that Giants team. <laughs> <laughs> Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to sit out the home run derby. Uh, the only player we know that's going to be in it so far is Shohei Otani. 
I am disappointed to not see Vlad Guerrero yeah. Jr. because he is having an MVP level season. Yeah. So far this year, he is one of the more fun players to watch hit. And yeah, I want to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the home run derby. It's going to, I don't know how good it's going to be because Trout's going to be out another month. So I, there's no way he's going to say, hey, I haven't played, but I'm going to be in the home run derby. Um, this sucks. I'll be okay with it, though, because if the one view or one pitcher I see of Vlad Guerrero uh, this year is carrying the one guy out of the uh, scrum the other day for the fight like a little <laughs> child, like that's all I really needed to see. But yeah, Otani would be cool. I hope Tatis gets into it. Like I hope there's, I hope Tatis is in it because he, he'll be fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see Vlad in it. This kind of stinks that he's not going to be in it. Does there have to be a Rocky in it since it's in Colorado? Well, they'll be offered it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you got to offer. I, I yeah, would think you'd have to offer somebody. Who's um, Arenado? Eh? Jesus, Arenado. Blackman? <laughs> he's not really a home no, run I mean, hitter, though. I don't. Who hits home runs on that? Day? Well, which is really funny given where they play. You should have like six guys you're choosing from. Instead, we're saying, eh, you want that guy in there? You gave away your best player. Arenado would be the other thing though. about Vlad is, like you guys have said, uh, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of home runs, but just the fact it's in Colorado. Like there could have, he and Trout could have just hit some monster home runs in that place. And I don't think, well, I don't, like I said, I don't think Trout's going to be in it. He's out for another month. How will Padres fans react when Tatis wins the home run derby? Oh, like they won the World Series. How do they act now when they win one game? <laughs> I want Tatis in it. I think he's great. I want Tatis in it. He hits. He hits bombs. I, hey, in in eight or nine years, he's going to be a Dodger. So you should be <laughs> sure, happy. Exactly. Next question: Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson from the Las Vegas Aces were selected to the U.S. Olympic team. Uh, they are the two aces on the Olympic team for this year's Olympics. And I still go back to the question. There's going to be a WNBA All-Star game. It's going to be the WNBA All-Stars against the U.S. Olympic team. So that means Asia Wilson will not be on the WNBA All-Star <sighs> team. Who the hell is going to be on the WNBA All-Star team? Kelsey Plum? She's on the three-on-three -three Olympic team. I don't think oh, she, she could be on the All-Star team Oh, she can't compete either. in that also, game? Also, I don't think she'd get it either. anyways. Um, just, I mean, lately. I, I asked Sam this, I think, last week. I'm like... They obviously in that game have to play the Olympic team. So who's on the other one? Right. I, I don't know. I mean, like Liz Cambage conceivably could be on it because she's not American. Right. But who the hell is on the like? You're just going to have the Olympic team. And then is, like, there, the is Sabrina Inescu in the Olympic team? Uh, I'd have to go back and look through the roster to see. I didn't. She could be on the all-star team. Yeah. She hasn't been very good this year. Yeah, I no, forgot. She's been real bad. I forget. Yeah, but she's more as even Sam said that that's more. That's more marketing to put her on there. Oh, it yeah. is. I mean, you. I mean, it, it. It sounds crazy, but I asked Sam about that. He's like, ah, they might put her on there for the marketing. Um, I, I forgot Elena Deladon hadn't played in that long. No. So someone they put the Olympic team out the other day, and she's obviously not on. But she hasn't played since. This can't be right. 2019. It, no, the last time she played was uh, October of 2019. That when they won the WNBA. Yeah, like finals. I saw that. I saw that uh, date. I'm like, man, I didn't yeah. know she's been out that long. Missed all the last season and hasn't played wow. this year and there's no real update on when she'll be back i mean if she comes back the mystics are like no. a title contender yeah but right now the, good. the mystics are like under 500 like barely in the playoffs and everybody makes the playoffs in the WNBA. Yeah. so yeah not ideal but yeah if she comes back they're a title contender but yeah she's out right now and yeah i'm just fascinated to see the all-star game because it's like yeah you're you're kind of the b team of the olympic squad right isn't that what that's gonna be 
Does Lambeer coach the is is the All Star? Did game, Lambeer is, say no? He's like, is, I'm going is on the All Star game one of these weird things where? Well, I think it'd be Seattle, Seattle at this point. Like the coach who's in first coaches the team. Is that one of how it works in a normal year? I think so. But since they're playing the Olympic, Lambeer I think actually did turn. That I think down I think Lambeer said no. I'm he wanted to go on vacation. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm leaving. <laughs> Ladies. We're going out there. Do You can do anything you want, but don't shoot threes. <laughs> I want a bunch of mid-rangers in the All-Star game. So way to beat the Olympic team. Do none of you know a post move? <laughs> wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Becky Hammond is a finalist for the Blazers head coaching job. Her and Chauncey Billups have advanced to the second round of interviews. I think she can take him. In a fight? No, in a basketball game. Who's older? I, I assume Chauncey Billups. I assume so, too. But Becky Hammond. God, she's been interviewed now. She's made it to the second round. She's got a legitimate chance to take out Chauncey Billups for this job. <sighs> I'm not sure. I, I don't think they'll do it. I told you before, I'd love for her to get a job, but I want it to be a job she can succeed at. Uh, I'd actually want her to get more like the Celtics job. Um, I don't know. He, it doesn't appear. He's our, Brad Stevens. I think they already put out a list, and she wasn't on it in terms of who he's asked permission to speak to. I would love for them to do it. I don't think they will. They also they actually also interviewed Don Staley for it. Yes, um, I don't think she's a finalist, but no. they interviewed Don Staley. Um um, Mike D'Antoni again. It's like okay, whatever. Like just you know, re 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 recharge these guys, or you know, put them through again. I don't I don't like that. But the NBA is famous for that, for just kind of reshuffling guys into new jobs that have already had them. So I don't think she gets it. But if she does, I hope they can succeed. And given her best, pl- what would be her best player wants out, that's not good either. Is he actually going to get out of Portland? <sighs> I mean, he didn't. Apparently, he didn't. He and Stutz didn't uh, see eye to eye in the end. I don't know what she, he'd think about her being the coach. I'd have no idea. Maybe he would like it. I don't know. Does he like Chauncey Billups? <laughs> I want her to get a job really you bad. I just want her to get. I want her to get on a team where she can succeed. I don't want her to get on a job where they can't win, and then it's like, well, there you go. She couldn't win. Like I don't want that to happen either. I want her to be really good. If I recall correctly, the Chauncey Billups Piston teams once had a playoff game where that they won 67 to like 54. Yeah, Ben Wallace. Yeah. Terrible player. Defensive player of the year. He's Maybe it is Chauncey somehow. Billups. The one story that did come out of Portland is Damian Lillard likes Chauncey Billups or Jason Kidd. So if he likes Chauncey Billups that much and they're like, okay, we can't lose this guy and Chauncey Billups is a finalist, I would guess he's leader in the clubhouse if that's who Damian Lillard wants. I know you should cater to your superstar in the NBA, but but if those are his coaching choices, you might not want to take his advice. (laughs) Next question. Two UNLV football games will be broadcast on Stadium next season. They're going to be online? Eastern Washington and New Mexico. Both those games broadcast on Stadium, which means... Which means the Raiders have a game in London? <laughs> or should I just fly to London to watch it? Yes, That'd actually should. be pretty funny. I'll just fly to London. Why? Because I have to watch the Rebels on, on my uh, laptop. So there's only one game left on the schedule for you know, that doesn't have a broadcast uh, channel or website. That is the home game against Hawaii. 
So I'm fascinated to see where that ends up because I don't know why that wouldn't get picked up, but these other ones would. Uh, but yeah, so there's UNLV's. Their, their TV schedule is almost complete. You'll be able to watch most of their games on real TV, but it's looking like three, maybe four games are going to be online only. Did they? I see that's okay. I misread the statement. I thought the Hawaii game came out as because I got pretty excited. I don't know where the Raiders are that weekend because it was like an afternoon game. Or a, they they announced the time slot, oh, like a four p.m. kickoff but or something. Not the, oh, okay, but not. Well, the I don't care about the other thing. I just care channel. about the time. I don't, I don't. I don't care where that. I don't care where the game Dude, is. I got it plenty of deadlines. It doesn't time. matter to me exactly. I, don't, I just want to know what the time is. Yeah. So you know these football schedule. You can watch them. Those those could be their two wins: Eastern Washington and New Mexico. Numbers one and a half could happen on stadium. They could cover the over. What if they stadium. cover the over just on stadium? Just on stadium. Great. Marcus Arroyo is going to petition for all their games to be on stadium the next year if that happens. <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. All right, hold on. I've been wanting to get to this story for a little bit. But Mexico will have to play two home World Cup qualifiers with no fans. Now, if you watched the Nations League final, which you should have, great game. The game had to be stopped because there were anti-gay slurs being chanted by the Mexican fans that were in Denver. And CONCACAF's, like, new protocol is when it happens in a game, they stop the game, tell the fans to stop doing it. And if they stop doing it, they resume the game and it's fine. If they continue to do it a second time, they pull the players off the field, take a 10-minute break, and then come back out and try to restart the game. And if it continues to happen after that, they suspend the game and play it the next day behind closed doors with no fans. So Mexican fans in both their games in the in the Nations League, they had to stop the game because of this chant. And CONCACAF is now punishing them by two of their World Cup qualifiers that are at home will have to be played with no fans. Well, thanks for catching up to 2021 with the uh, soccer fans chanting these things. But that's fine if you want to take the fans out. I did think it was funny, and this they did say it was a last resort where you'd ban the team, which is completely, completely stupid. They have nothing to do with this. Like, I would never ban a team from this. I mean, you want to ban the fans, that's fine. Close the doors on them. But the teams, you got to leave them alone. I mean, they're just playing the game. Uh, it's been going, you know, you know soccer. This thing's yes. been going on forever. So I guess, I mean... Credit them for catching up. It's been a while, though, so um, I guess it's good that they're finally doing something about it. Yeah, and this is probably the best thing they can do without punishing the actual yeah, team. Is punish the team. Is that Mexico, Stupid. you don't get to go. Yeah. Fans can't go watch the Mexican national team play World Cup qualifiers. That should... that should change it once they get shut out of games, Mexican soccer fans. They are... I would hope. I'm going to completely stereotype here and generalize here, but they seem to be very proud of that chance. Like they yes. seem to be yeah. very yes. much like we. Yes. This is this is a part of soccer culture in Mexico. It's not our fault that uh, Americans don't understand our culture. Wasn't that chant prominent at lights games or am I? It was for the first few games. Yes, first they few had games. Chalice right. Make Remember a video, that? Say please don't say yes. it. The goalie is my friend. Was Chile <laughs> smoking during the video? I think he was. Yes. When wasn't he? All right. <laughs> coming up next, we'll get into Carl Nassib coming out with the Raiders. But first. We've got tickets to give away. If you want to go see Jason Aldean at Park Theater at Park MGM in December, we've got a pair of tickets for you. Tickets don't go on sale until Friday of this week, so you can win them right now before anybody else can buy them. Jason Aldean tickets, Park Theater at Park MGM, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number 9 at 702-364-1100. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? 
tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Congratulations to Mike from Henderson. He won the tickets to go see Jason Aldean. Coming up later in the show, we will have tickets to go see Brad Paisley. So stay tuned for that. Yesterday, Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib posted this video on Instagram. What's up, people? I'm Carl Nassib. I'm at my house here in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Just want to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but I finally feel comfortable enough to get it off my chest. I really have the best life. I got the best family, friends, and job a guy could ask for. I'm a pretty private person, so I hope you guys know that I'm really not doing this for attention. I just think that representation and visibility are so important. I actually hope that like one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are just not necessary. But until then, you know, I'm gonna do my best and do my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting, that's compassionate. And I'm gonna start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. They're an incredible organization. They're the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America. And they're truly doing incredible things. And I'm very excited to be a part of it, to help in any way that I can. And I'm really pumped to see what the future holds. Uh, That's all I have for you guys. I hope you have a great day, work hard. So that's Carl Nassib. Uh, Ed, you wrote about this. I know the the word you used the most was courageous and that Carl Nassib deserves that uh, that brand of being courageous after this. Yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, as I wrote, I don't throw that around for pro athletes usually at all. Um, nothing against them, but I don't think, you know, by playing a sport <laughs> at a high level makes you courageous. Um, there are a lot more examples of being courageous in this world. Uh, but I do think there's a, there's a level of courage because of the, arena he plays in because of how football is perceived and how the locker rooms are in football. They just are this way from a very young age. Kids are taught you have to be tough or you have to be macho, you have to be this, you have to be that, all the stupid analogies that come with the sport in terms of what you're supposed to be. So I do think him doing this in that football, in that realm, there is a sense of courage to come out in, in the NFL and, and be the guy that says this, especially as an active player. We've had players, either Michael Sam, who didn't play in a regular season game, or players after their career say, you know, come out as gay. Um, but they were it was after they went into a locker room every day and kind of dealt with what football means. So I do I do think there's a sense of courage here. And again, I look, he's going to I hope you know, I, I hope he helps he'll probably help a ton of people that he'll never even meet, um, that he'll never even know. But I do think it's important that, you know, why he did this and what he did will help a lot of those people. And hopefully if there are other uh, gay players in the NFL who haven't had, you know, the, the the inclination to come out while they're playing, hopefully that happens too. But football is, you know, sports in general, most leagues, not all leagues, have been really slow to be progressive on gay rights. And the NFL leads the way on that, it's just the way it is. So hopefully this maybe changes things. I know Goodell put out a statement last night, but I hope – you know, the NFL uh, backs up its words, and this isn't just one day of statements of support, and then they leave it alone and don't become more progressive on gay rights. Um, I hope that I hope this allows them to be so. Yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I you know, again, people don't like this, but and I, and I talked to Mark Davis. I talked to so many people yesterday. Said, well, it shouldn't be a story. Well, it is a story because it's the NFL. Yeah, it's a story. I mean, yeah, shouldn't it be a story? Yes, and one day maybe it isn't a story, but it's a massive story when someone who's an, an active NFL player comes out as gay given what that league is defined by and, and for many levels stands for in terms, again, like those stupid cliches and analogies of how tough they're supposed to be and how macho they're supposed to be, I think it's a massive story. Oh, it is. And there, there's a couple levels up. But one is the individual level of Carl Nassib. He, like, 
He's 28 years old. He's been in the NFL for what is this? This is going into a sixth season. Mm-hmm. I think it is like he's been in the NFL for a long time. He's 28 and it was June 21st of 2021 that he finally felt comfortable yeah. to tell people that. And it doesn't matter that he tells us or anybody that follows him on Instagram. But to me, it's more about like him being comfortable telling his teammates and his coaches and just like the people that he's with every day and being like, yeah, that, that that's who I am. Like, you guys know who I am now. Like that to me is maybe the biggest thing is that it took until he was 28 and, you know, five, six years into the league before he was comfortable doing that and coming out in public. And then the other thing that's important is what it does for other people. So on the NFL level, you know, statistically speaking, there are more likely more gay people that yes. are playing in the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and yeah. major league baseball. Just, just what it is. So you kind of hope there's a level of, Oh, Carl did Nassib it. did it like, yeah. okay, do I feel comfortable doing right. it? And and maybe there are more that do it. But as you said, he's going to help people that he'll never, he'll meet never meet because one of the important things with like, Role models, whether it's like athletes or celebrities or wh- whoever you look up to, is identification with yourself. And we can obviously see that with like race and gender are big things with that. But sexual orientation can be that too. And I can say like for me growing up, like looking back on it, my two favorite players were Craig Biggio and Reggie Miller. I was a skinny kid growing up. I liked the guys that were skinny that were still good at the sport because, oh, they weren't relying on being Shaq and being bigger right, than whoever right. and that's how they were good it's like no they were skinny right. they had they won despite being skinny or were good despite being skinny so looking back on it like I identified with them because they were skinny and so you know if there's people that are you know 9 10 11 years old that love the NFL but are gay and they don't actually have an actual gay NFL player to look up to they this do can now. help that and if Carl Nassib's the first of many to happen over the next few years then that can change that, you know, massively to where people can identify with the yeah. role models they're looking up to because that's what you need. You need some sort of identification with who you look up to. And yeah, things. and we heard for years, and it just became almost a cliche for years. You know, would he be? Would a, a gay player be accepted in the locker room? I mean, we'll know over time. This is again, this is twenty four hours, and we're looking up at the screen and the TV now, and all these tweets from professional athletes supporting him. I, I hope it's all uh, legitimate and genuine support of him. But I think only time will tell. You know, I mean, he's going to go into an NFL locker room. We'll see, you know, what the reaction is. I hope it's 100% positive across the league. I think that's sort of naive to think it will be. Uh, yeah. I, I just think it's naive to think that he won't hear some things. He won't be telling some things. I, I just, like you said, obviously, statistically, societally, there are more gay players in the NFL that we don't know about. I mean, it just goes by statistics, right, in, in every league that we just don't know about. Uh, and they haven't been comfortable, you know, apparently to, to come out. Uh, so hope this, hopefully this does change things. But the, 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 the idea, again, that this isn't a story, we'd like to think that, but that's, not, that's just not the case. This is a huge story because why? Because anytime you're the first at something, it's a story. Right. He's hopefully, the first. In, hopefully in 30 years, it yeah, doesn't exactly, matter, exactly. right? Like that's, that's the idea here, but right now it does. It right. absolutely does. It absolutely like, does. like the Mark Davis, what he told you yesterday that yes. he, he didn't think that this was a story or whatever. Like ideally it's not in an ideal situation. It's not, but we're not there yet. We're not no. even close to being there yet. And it is a story. And the next 10 to 15 that come out, it's going to, I don't know what the number is, but it's still going to be a story every time it happens. Right. If, if some hockey player today decides, Ooh, Carl Nassib, I I feel comfortable now and does right. it. That's a story too. Like it, it's going to be for quite a while. It's going to be a long time before we're to a point where it's not because again, Carl Nassib is 28 years old and it took until now for him to feel comfortable doing it. There's a reason for that. And that's why it's the story is somebody not being comfortable enough when they're 28 to say something like that, to come out and tell people, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I am as a person. All right. Coming up next. 
Jonathan Von Tobel joins the show as we jump back into the NBA playoffs. Today is the first day of increased scrutiny for pitchers as far as sticky substances on their person. They have said that they're not going to delay play. They're going to inspect pitchers as they come off the mound between innings or at the end of their stints. So they check DeGrom's hat. They say they want to check his belt. He said, you want me to take it off? They said no. They check under the belt. And now he has passed inspection. Jeez, thank God they didn't go that far. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now is Jonathan Von Tobel. You can hear him on VSIN, also on Cofield and Company, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, is there is there an NBA equivalent to like spider tack that umpires or refs would have to check for when players leave the game? I don't. So I don't think it's like a substance. But I guess the most the first thing that comes to mind is the whole Giannis like free throw thing, right? Like in terms of like the time that he has been allowed to take, despite the fact that it's a ten second rule and. <laughs> He's been clocked at like 12 and 13 seconds, and sometimes they call it and sometimes they don't. So I feel like that would be the equivalent. It's not actually a substance, but it's a rule that they're either skirting and allowing to keep going or sometimes enforcing. Do you think they're allowing him to keep skirting it because he's not good at free throws? Like if he was knocking down like 98%, they'd stop him because he's not any good at it. Yeah, let him take as much time as he wants. Yeah, I mean, it's also like he takes so long. Like he would get called, I think, for at least like six or seven a game. And I, and I feel like at some point they're just like, Jesus, like, we cannot keep calling these things. Like, let's just let them get away with it. Jesus, Ben Simmons should take six minutes. <laughs> just, he, should just, he, should, he should just dribble the whole game. Um, we're going to get to that series, but I want to ask something we talked about in, in an earlier segment. If they shoot as well as they can, I think that's going to be hard to win four games. But we saw what happened in Game 7 against the Mavericks. If they shoot as well as they can, can the Clippers win that series without Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, they can, Ed, but I think, you know, the problem is, and it's funny, like, just reading just the, the everything around this series after Game 1, the most underrated aspect of what happened in Game 1 is that Marcus Morris only played 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a really big deal because he's a small ball center. He's also a really good shooter, to your point, in terms of being able to shoot the ball. So, like, if he's healthy and they're shooting the ball as well as they can because they were the first overall team in terms of three-point shooting this year, 42.1%, you take out all the heaves and all the garbage, you know, and the shot clock attempts, like actions and a shot clock and a quarter attempts. Like they're a really good shooting team. So yeah, if they're going to shoot at their all time, they have enough guys that can attack off the bounce and make this a problem for the Phoenix Suns. And that small ball lineup, as we saw against Utah, as we saw against Dallas, is extremely effective. But Morris, to me, is the linchpin. If he's not healthy, he by himself is not worth that much. But when you pair him with the loss of Kawhi Leonard, that's one too many to overcome. Now Rondo's getting big minutes. Avicii Zubac is getting bigger minutes, and that's not something you want to roll with against the Suns, even without Chris Paul. I know you are here and ready to defend Paul George. Um, He was 0 for 3 in the final three minutes of Game 1. What does Paul George have to do in the closing minutes of any of these games to actually shake his reputation? Well, I mean, one, I think it should be shaken or shooken. It should should be gone already, man. He was brilliant for five consecutive games for the Clippers. He's a big reason why they won that Dallas series. He is the reason why they beat the Utah Jazz. Uh, But, you know, for me, it's shot selection, right? You know, there was a one, I think it was in the third quarter, where he gets Devin Booker on the right side, and he, like, pulls up and turns and in one fluid motion hits a ridiculous three-point shot. But just because you can make that shot doesn't mean you want to take that shot. And so then, like you saw in the fourth quarter, he like brings it up, and with 18 seconds left on the shot clock, he's like, "Yeah, I'll pull it from the top of the key with the dude in my face." You know, these went in the first three quarters. Why not now? And so I think that's got to be like the change, right? In the fourth quarter, he needs to facilitate a little bit more. And I don't know if you guys saw this piece 
it's one of the reasons why Chauncey Billups is getting so much traction as a head coach. But Chauncey Billups has done a great job in terms of changing Paul George into kind of a point-forward type for the Los Angeles Clippers. They don't really have any true point guards on the roster. And so he's taken that upon himself to be a point-forward, and it's worked wonders for him. He's done a really good job. And so when he gets back into that type of role, don't fall in love with the tough shots. Actually start to facilitate, move the ball. There's no need to take that shot because it's always going to be available to you. I think that's when you start to see it. But, yeah, you know, it was a mix of being tired and, like, just falling in love with, hey, man, I've been hot this entire game. Let's see if I can keep doing it. And he's brilliant at making them, but it doesn't mean you should be taking them. Are we not paying close enough attention or know enough about the Hawks roster to suggest, as we did the other day, you really th- we really think it'd be cool if they went on and won it because this just isn't happening again? No, like, if, so, like, uh, like I – when it comes to the Hawks, they're a really good story. But if you looked at that 76er series, very simply put, you know, did the 76ers lose that series or did the Hawks win it? And I think more often than not, right, we're answering that question that the 76ers lost it. You know, for four consecutive games, they held double-digit leads. They won two of them, and then, of course, they blew the two halftime leads. And if you just look across the board, right, from a matchup perspective, who are they hiding Trey Young on? They hit Trey Young on Seth Curry. Seth Curry destroyed him. They hide him on P.J. Tucker. Right, like there's so many different ways in which Trey Young is going to be exploited here on the defensive end, and then from the other standpoint, like you're looking at this, how are they scoring? Right, is Kevin Herter going to be back out there? Going to go with Danilo Gallinari? You know, from a matchup perspective, there's so many things that that work in the Bucks' favor that I just I think this story kind of comes to an end. I mean, I'll put it this way: the 76ers lost that series, and they still came out with a plus 3.4 net rating over the seven games. That, that tells you <laughs> anything you need to know about that series. They outscored them over the course of 100 possessions over that series, but they still lost because of all the mistakes they made in the fourth quarter. So you're saying the Sixers are fine. They don't need to tra- trade Ben Simmons. They should have won that series. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we all agree they probably should have won that series. It's ridiculous that they didn't. But it also doesn't change all the flaws that the Ben Simmons has. But, yeah, like that's why I think look, Ben Simmons deserves blame. Joel Embiid with 16 turnovers in two games deserves blame. Doc Rivers with his stupid bench lineups deserves like, a lot of uh, flack as well. But the 76ers should have won that series. Well, okay, if you were in charge of a team that had Ben Simmons, like what would be the best way to actually use him? Because I view him as like a, a sort of a worse version of Giannis, but if you surround him with shooters, it could work out for you over the course of a regular season. But again, he's a worse version of Giannis, and it hasn't worked for the Bucks yet. So if you're running a team, what, like what would you do with Ben Simmons? Well, one, so I don't know if you guys read the report that was uh, from Fox Sports yesterday, but it all depends on Ben Simmons. Like this is the, the most shocking thing that I found about him is like, when you read indications of who he is as a guy and, and what the Philadelphia 76ers and Brett Brown wanted to do with him, the story that came out yesterday after the, the year in which they were eliminated by the Boston Celtics, you know, they, they had their offseason meetings and they told him, okay, we want you to work on X, Y, and Z. And one of them was continue to develop your jump shot. And they had a coach all put aside for him as part of the staff to do it. And he comes into them two weeks later and says, no, I don't want to work with him. I'm working with, I think it was like a family member or whatever it was. And then from there, they never really pushed him on it, and he just refused. And he just started to go more into himself in terms of not shooting the ball, being a little bit belligerent about it, right? Saying that he, you know, he can pass the ball, the shots aren't there for him, he shouldn't be part of it, it's not part of the offense. And so, like, if you're telling me that he'll actually listen to me, then, I, then I'm putting him <laughs> in the gym and telling him to develop a jump shot. Because, guys, like, look at the, the, the amount of dudes in the NBA right now that when they started in the league weren't very good. The Clippers are waiting for a guy in Kawhi Leonard that didn't have a jump shot really when he started in the NBA, right? He was a low-post kind of guy with San Diego State, wasn't the offensive player at all in terms of the balance in his game, and now he's one of the more reliable jump shooters in the league. Like Griffin developed an extremely reliable jump shot. 
throughout his career in the NBA. It can totally happen. And like, there's footage being passed around on social media of Ben Simmons in the Thomas and Mack during the summer league, his rookie year, just hitting jump shot after jump shot during games. Like he can do it if he wants to. So like Tyler, if I'm in charge and I know he's going to like listen to what I have to say, then we're definitely working on just developing a jump shot because I still think there's value in Simmons. He's still a very good defender. He's still an extremely talented ball handler that can push the floor, like you mentioned. Surrounding him with shooters is super effective. There's still something there. It's why there's still a trade market for him if they want to move on from him. So if I'm guaranteed that he's going to take my advice seriously, like I'm just putting him in the gym and I'm developing that offensive game because I still like him as a player. Uh, I've said that I want Becky Hammond to be hired, but I don't want her to go somewhere she can't succeed. Dame Lillard supposedly wants Chauncey Billups. I don't know if you listen to him, but if they think they're going to lose him, maybe they do. Is Becky Hammond hired this offseason? And tell me your thoughts on her, how you think she'd be as an NBA coach. And like I said, I really want it to happen, but if she's going to go somewhere where she can't succeed, I don't. Yeah, and like Ed, like personally, if I'm her, like you said, like right, Damian Lillard wants Chauncey Billups. If I don't get Portland why not just sit around and wait for Pop to retire mm-hmm. and just take that San Antonio job? Like, that's what I would want. And there's some intriguing young pieces there that kind of work for the most part, right, that you can use as you go forward as a head coach, you know, whether it's Jonathan Murray or Derek White. Uh, right? There's a lot of guys on that roster who I think going forward are young and developmental pieces that would be pretty good in three or four years. So I'm with you. So I, like, I, don't, I don't think she'll be hired this offseason, but it's not because like, she doesn't deserve it. It's because I, I think the better opportunity is either Portland, which it seems like it might be Chauncey Phillips or Mike D'Antoni's job, or the one that she's sitting on right now that by all accounts is hers if Greg Popovich retires. And if I'm her, like, you know, maybe Boston, but Boston's all of the indications are that they don't want a first-time head coach, right? They want a retread for whatever reason, right? right. Indiana, it seems like they also are only the same line. So right. if I'm her, it's either Portland or it's going to be stick around in San Antonio wait for that job. Do you think Popovich has told her when he's going to retire? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, whenever that is, like he's a billion years old in basketball years. <laughs> I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. I mean, but I will say, like, it's like the, the the Spurs are kind of in the one of the teams, right? That could trade for Ben Simmons. Now, maybe that reinvigorates him if they do like a sign and trade with Demar Rose and include something else, and he goes over there. Uh, but even then, like, you got to think they're not really close to competing as a coach who has been as good as he is. Like, how long does the fire burn? Yeah. Be like, yeah, man, I can't wait to compete for these play-in games again. Like, at some point, you just be like, all right, I'm out of here. I just, this might have nothing to do. I just assume he'll win gold in, in the Olympics and say goodbye. Yeah, right. I mean, that's another thing, too. I, I just, I, either way, I think we're all in agreement. Like, the end is near. Right. right for career, not, not like that, but, like, right. the end is near for Greg Popovich in terms of coaching <laughs> career. And Beck Hammond would be, I think, beneficiary if she just sticks around. He looks like an enormous version of the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, and, and like he he did some weird stuff with his hair this year too. I wasn't really a big. Fan. <laughs> I think I think it was the lack of him doing anything with his hair. <laughs> That's um, all right, so there's four teams left. Who do you think is actually winning the title now? So I, like I've just been kind of deferring to like the more healthy team at this point, right? Right, right now, which I guess is kind of Milwaukee. Yeah. You know, Dante DiVincenzo is uh, a, a loss for them. I think you actually really saw that, especially in that net series. You know, go back to a couple of those games, especially that game five when they were just picking on Pat Connaughton every single possession. They, they missed Dante DiVincenzo, but they have the stronger matchup against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. I keep doing that. Uh, right against Atlanta, though, they should win that series. And they get whoever wins Suns and Clippers. And I guess I, w- I think I would take Milwaukee and Phoenix against either one of those, unless if you're telling me Kawhi Leonard comes back, then it's going to be the Los Angeles Clippers. But other than that, I think I got to tend to lean towards Milwaukee in this whole thing. All right. Sounds good. Get out of here. I look forward to the Hawks winning the NBA title in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks.
<laughs> I like I'd like that. I am all on board. I, I mean, Young. it would be great if they did. I I just again we talked about it last week. I Trey Young's amazing, and they've got this this roster. But if you told me like Trey Young will win the title this year and never be in the finals again, I'd be like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> do you expect really next year? LeBron's healthy. All these people no. healthy. The Nets are healthy. Who would expect the the Hawks at any point to get back there? No. Now you look at the, just look at the East, right? Like they're yeah, not going to be. The Bucks and the Nets are going to be yeah. well ahead of them next year going into it. And, and in the West, the Lakers will be. The Clippers will be. Yeah. I mean, you can count the team. And even, like, depending on what the Sixers do, the Sixers might be ahead of them next yeah. year as well, even though they just beat them in a playoff series. So, yeah, it's and it's hard to You envision. can never count out the Heat. Oh, well, that it, well, when you have the Hall of Fame coach, I mean, come on. <sighs> Is he getting LeBron back? Then I don't think he's doing <laughs> anything next hey, year. Hey, he might. Hey. We don't know. If Anthony they Davis doesn't play. a key yes. under the mat. If yeah. Anthony Davis is on the plane, LeBron's like, yeah, we're going back to Miami. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Well, we next we talk to Luke Perk Dandy, but also our Sharps on a roll. These soccer games are working out well for him. We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Luke, we've been talking about it for a couple weeks now, how this is the most open NBA playoffs we've had in a long time. So one team in particular, how are Atlanta Hawks tickets doing? Yeah, we, uh, we've been selling a lot of them, I think. Uh, you know, big city Atlanta, obviously Trey Young, star player. There's a fair amount of 100 to 1. We've seen some 200 to 1 Atlanta Hawks futures get posted. Um, you know, I think uh, now you're playing with house money. And yeah. You've got this yeah. far. Um, you know, you've got to take some profit at this point. Uh, I, I don't think anyone thinks they got a shot to win this thing. Um, uh, so it's. It's going to be difficult. They, I think they can win a few games against Milwaukee. I don't think it's as lopsided as everyone else is saying. I don't, they'll win a couple, um, but I think I think the prior series is more about Philadelphia just being inept. Um, you know, Trey Young had Trey Young couldn't hit a hit the ocean if he fell off a boat on on uh, Sunday night. He, he played terrible. Um, so yeah, I think you got to take some profit if you're riding a Hawks future. Did uh, you see anyone uh, make some big plays on the Nets who are now lost the money? We sold, yeah, we sold some large Nets tickets. They, uh, their highest odds were about ten to one, and then as soon as the uh, Kyrie or KD trade went down, can't remember which was more recent. They dropped to like two to one as soon as that trio got formed. Um, so their odds have just been so low once that, that trio, uh, went to New York, but before that you could have found them at 10 to one odds. So there were some people that sold for sure. Um, I, you know, what a collapse by them. I, I think obviously injuries played a huge role. James Harden didn't play as well as he typically did the entire regular season. Um, so it's tough, you know, it's a, uh, Milwaukee bucks, uh, stole one for sure, but here we are. Uh, on the Western side, I'm curious, like the Clippers, if Kawhi Leonard came back, I think a lot of people would say they've got a great shot to win the title, but without him, it seems like they don't have much of a shot. So how, like, how is the market for Clippers tickets? Cause there's still kind of that unknown of when Kawhi Leonard will be back. Yeah, it's pretty soft. I think everyone's pretty heavy on the Phoenix Suns, uh, but certainly good news for props off. Phoenix opened at a hundred to one odds wow. to start this season. Uh, here we are at plus 130. 
before the game tonight. If they win tonight, I mean, my goodness, they could move to minus money. Um, you know, kind of like this, uh, this hockey series, but, uh, yeah, the Phoenix Suns were, the Phoenix Suns and the Hawks are both huge underdog stories. The difference is the Suns odds are plus 130. Atlanta's odds are 12 to 1 still. <laughs> Much more safe than <laughs> Phoenix than Atlanta. This might have no bearing whatsoever. Real quick, have you seen anything when we, when it's been said that they're going to check pitchers? I'm talking about the Dodgers specifically, where people are moving tickets at the chance that these guys might start getting dinged with suspensions? Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers' odds are, as of this morning, yeah, they're still plus 360. Um, it's, it's crazy. White Sox at 7-1, to one, Dodgers at plus 360, and then Padres at plus 850. I mean, just, uh, you know, just still a ton of faith that LA can pull this out, and I get it. They have no question, the most talented roster. Um, but a little bit of stock down on the Mets once that came out. Uh, Jake DeGrom, I mean, this man could win MVP and Cy Young. <laughs> he's, he's crazy. Um, so, yeah, there has been a little bit of movement on the Mets. And on the Dodgers, not much. I, You know, they just continue to stay. <laughs> seems like they could lose five games in a row and the oddsmakers wouldn't change the number, which... I don't know if that could ever be said for a baseball team in history. Well, he is Luke Perk-Dandy from PropSwap.com. Luke, as always, we appreciate it. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, guys. Bye. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. All right, Josh is back. He's made it a... Made it this far picking soccer. Uh, Josh, where would you like to go today? I'd like to stay with soccer, but I don't really like anything today. So let's go to the WNBA. Oh, all right. Nice. Who is All right, who you got in the WNBA? Let's go Seattle. All right, we will put you in for the Seattle Storm. They are playing Washington today. So we got you for the Storm just to win. We don't, we don't need the line, even though it's 14 and a half. Just the Storm <laughs> to win. And uh, we'll be talking to you again tomorrow. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Wait, if we're going to do that, just, just mail them the jersey. <laughs> we did do that. I mean, we've been doing we've this been for doing a that. month. We've been doing that, and it hasn't helped. I just. We've been doing it for a month, and they haven't gotten it, Ed. That's on them. And we also we we've got a jersey. We we added an incentive. That's on them. We also have other prizes available. Man, yeah, he's at three. He needs to get to nine to win. And that's completely on them if there's no odds involved here. We've been doing it for a month. We did it. Remember Friday football frenzy? Just pick the winners of three NFL games. games. Just pick three winners. And we went nine weeks without anybody being able to do that. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's hard. It's not. It is. <laughs> we don't give good advice. <laughs> we do. We give terrible advice. Terrible betting advice. Coming up next, Asia Wilson joins the show.